Okay, welcome back uh, to episode two of Great Captains, brought to you by Confident Captain Ocean Pros in Newport, Rhode Island. Uh, I'm Captain Kent Dresser, President and Founder of Confident Captain. I'm here with Captain Tony Bessinger, our lead instructor, and here with Captain Zach Rollins, our staff captain um, of our fleet based here out of uh, Rhode Island. And before we get too far into our uh, of our second podcast uh, titled Drills versus Bills, uh, I just wanted to point out uh, really the highlight of this podcast, which is we finally figured out how to use our external microphone. And um, so, in other words, this is going to sound a lot better than the first. Podcast. This is going to sound better, and we feel like if you know we did that on purpose because we wanted to weed out anybody that wasn't really into what we had to say here. Yes, that was completely intentional. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Nice. Because we drive, you know, fast, high tech boats for a living, and we know how to use computers. Did I ever tell you about the the time that uh, one of our captains uh, made the entire safety announcement? Um, on channel 16. <laughs> <laughs> Grabbed the wrong microphone and did the whole, which is, it's, it's a long spiel. It's a, it's a good three or four minutes. Yeah. So that's Was he reprimanded by the United States Coast Guard after having done so? I think everybody just clapped at the end of it. I think everybody was, <clears throat> I think the Coast Guard understood a mistake was made and they let it go. And yeah, but. There's been a few happened. times I've been able to restrain my tongue, but I can say that I've made a habit out of restraining it on channel 16 for many years because of the safety because of the safety component. it's 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 a culture i think that i think the less you talk on channel 16 the better off you are mm. yeah and i think really the less we talk in in, in the whole world <laughs> although <laughs> friends listening of mine over the past number of decades would i'm sure are, are totally chuckling at that didn't you have so. a, a nickname kent when you were the towboat when i was a dispatcher, dispatcher? Yeah. kent bow kent bow well, this is now. This is a long time ago, but uh, yeah, that was that was like the Rambo of the radio waves. It's very. Yeah. That's back in the early days of boat towing, when the boat towing job was secured on the VHF radio. Mm. And uh, if I can do anything in this world, I can talk, and I was able to do so at a young age and as a teenager. Um, the owner of Safe City and my boss at the time would provide me with high powered yet legal mm. radio equipment. And I would, <laughs> and I would talk, and I would secure jobs, and I mean, there would be like individuals off of Warwick Light, mm. and other towboats there on scene, and those they'd be like, no, I'm waiting for this guy Kent. He's clearly the right person for me. Having yeah, heard smooth. Kent on the radio aboard a safe sea vessel, I'll just relate a story mm. to you that he might not tell you, or might not tell anybody, <laughs> but uh, he uh, he was dealing with a a, a tow. And uh, I think the comment, and this this is some back and forth is going on for a while. Says the final word was, "Well, Captain, since you can't seem to figure out how to use the VHF radio, why don't you just give me a phone call? Here's my number." <laughs> I I'm an honest individual. I am an honest individual, but that is not the only story of my antics on the VHF radio. But. Um, Look, we're here to get the job done. I mean, what makes great captains? Great captain, let's get the job done. Let's cut the bullshit and get the job done. And although I do have a tendency to have a little dry sarcasm that goes with it, which I've certainly, over the years, I've paid for, you know, <laughs> particularly if someone is does not understand sarcasm. Like, you'll pay the price. Uh, but anyway, not here to talk about me. Let's talk about our episode two hot topic, drills versus bills. That is because a hot topic. It mm. is a very hot topic. And, and what I mean by drills versus bills is, is the correct amount of drilling, training, and emergency response taking place on your boat 
even though it might be hindering the boat's ability to generate revenue and pay the bills? Or are we, quote, too busy to drill because we're making money right now? And that is particularly true with any money, but in, in, in particular with, uh, with, I think, a seasonal boating year, like really we have mm. here in Narragansett Bay. I mean, at the professional level, we kind of drive boats all year round, right? But we make the most money between Memorial Day and, and Labor Day. And so there's a tremendous amount of pressure for us to to get things done. This is my first summer in 28 years that I did not cover a, like a relief coverage uh, or, or in some capacity at Safe Sea because that's always been available because it's it's always a very busy uh, it's always a very busy time for for recreational boating. It's a busier time for ferry boats. It's a busier time for all boats. And then let's take uh, what I think is probably one of the the most powerful examples of this concept the commercial fishing vessel because there's a group of guys that are dying to get their job done mm. literally dying well, and 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 many of them licensed many of them unlicensed but the pressures of commerce the pressures of regulation mm-hmm. um the pre- you know whether it's bycatch whether it's quotas whether it's the particular time window whether it's the season it's the weather and inevitably at some point all of those things add up to create like you know i'm sure a trifecta of hurdles for a commercial fishing fishing vessel captain to get the job done get the fish caught and get back to port alive right yeah i mean some of these guys they they're they're relying on a set quota a set time i mean i know there's there's fisheries up in alaska that they literally have almost some of them like a 24-hour window right. i've heard that you got 24 hours to catch your quota, and if that's it, that's it. Right. So, I mean, the pressure is on. Pressure like that has a tendency to deteriorate good decision-making. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I have very specifically, very consciously never been a commercial fisherman. I've worked with dozens of them. I'm friends with dozens of them, but I've never done it, I've never done it commercially. That's never been the avenue that I wanted to go down. Mm. But by the time you get done loading the boat and fueling the boat and getting everybody on the boat, getting your crew on the boat, and and you know some boats you got great crew, then you got a guy. Oh wait a minute, this guy's sick or this guy something yeah. happened at home. Now we got to get this guy. I don't even know this guy. Is he even sober? Mm. And, and then you got to get him on the boat. And is he clean? Right. Is he high? Mm-hmm. Let's get all these people. And now we got to get this stuff on the boat. Okay, let's get the hell out of here because the weather's coming. All right, let's get this stuff put away. Oh, let's get this gear put away. Let's get this gear still. Let's get this food still. Let's get these provisions. Okay, get going. And we would see this on tugs. I can remember one point, you know, my, on, on my tug, we worked a two-week on, two-week off rotation. And I can remember at 6 o'clock at night leaving the house in Rhode Island, driving to New York to switch some cars and other logistics mm-hmm. and get some groceries and meeting up with the rest of the crew and getting in one car and driving down to Philly, to, which is another three-hour drive, to meet the boat. And walking out the deck, and so by the time we get there and get the groceries put away, it's six o'clock in the morning. They're done. They're done emptying the barge. They're like, "Get the hell out of here! We got another barge coming." Nobody slept. Now we're on the boat, and we're heading down to, you know, come back up to New York, and it's not so bad when you're up. I think we we're actually in Dell City, and and you come out of Dell City and you're heading down the bay, and it's not so bad because it's a more protected waterway. But then you right. get out in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, and it's unpleasant, and it's six o'clock at night. Mm. 
and now nobody can sleep because it's rough. And you're not going to sleep again until sometime you get back up in the New York Harbor. You know, and it's just, you know, now you're three days, you're, you're, you're two to three days without any sleep. Mm -hmm. At what point are we running a drill? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. At you, what point are we running a drill? But you have to find the time to do the That's drills. Right. Because as with any bad incident that ever happens on a boat, it's a cascading chain of events. It'll start without something going wrong with the boat. And then the weather might make that a little bit worse. Then what's going to make it much worse on top of that is I can't find the survival suit. I don't know where the life jackets are. I have no idea how to operate this life raft. Uh, this flare, I've never fired this type of flare before. How do you do it? Where's the EPIRB? Is the EPIRB, uh, is the battery working on the EPIRB? Um, everything piles up on you. And if you don't practice this stuff all the time, and it's not just the commercial mariner, it's also the recreational boater. You've got to get on your boat. You've got to make sure everybody knows where the life jackets are. Just a small little drill. Yeah. I mean, the, the first, you know, sort of, of, of kingpin of all of this is, is the mindset. And the mindset that, that certainly I teach, and I'm sure you might use slightly different words, but it's the same concept. It's not if, it's when. Yes. Mm -hmm. When your boat catches on fire, when your boat breaks down, when you have to deploy that anchor quickly. <laughs> when this boat starts to take on water, when somebody falls overboard, all of these things are going to happen. Listen, every single boat is sinking. It's just that some are sinking faster than others. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Every boat is sinking. And there's always a situation that's going to arise, whether or not it's on your boat or on somebody else's boat, where you're going to have to step up and do the right thing. And you're capacity for dealing with it has to do with how much you've drilled and sure. how much you've figured out how to do things the right way. How much you've thought about how you're going to deal with a man overboard or helping another boat or anything. You have to do the drills so that you're competent and able to do it when the shit hits the fan. And it will. Mm -hmm. And whose job, let's say let's say it's the AB's job to get the EPIRB and report to the life raft. It's in your best interest as a captain to make sure that you have carved out enough time for that AB to practice doing that very simple thing. Walk over here, pick up the EPIRB, and get in the life raft. Because guess what? If he doesn't show up in the life raft... You're going to be in it a while. You're going to be in it by yourself right. <laughs> without an EPIRB. And so it's in your best interest. It's totally in your best interest to do so. But there is a million things in the way of training. And and, and the biggest thing in the way, and, 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 and hence the, the cheeky title of, of drills versus bills, mm. right? Because the, the first thing is in the way of properly drilling is commerce. Mm -hmm. Well, when do you expect this to run? Well, someone's, you know, it, 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 you got to pay guys to be there. You need the boat to be earning. It takes fuel. It takes time. Time is money. You have to carve that time out. You have to make it part. And as a captain of a small boat, you are, or a big boat, really doesn't matter. You are the person that drives that culture. You are the person that drives a culture of drilling and training and being the best at what you can do versus not and only being worried about making money. And, 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 and the latter is eventually going to catch up to you. And this is something you can talk about you know, all day long. And you, so. may, you may have to make the decision I can't work for this company because they don't let me drill. We see guys, we see guys and girls, particularly in yachting, who come through our doors at Confident Captain and they take STCW. Mm. 
and you'll see them. They come in and they they, they come to me like I have a job offer on a boat. Okay, let's go back. Let's revert back to one of Captain Kent's favorite sayings and many other boat captains. I didn't make this stuff up. I learned it. Be careful what you wish for. What sort of culture is taking place on that boat? What sort of decision making? What sort of risk management? Look, if you don't come home alive, having had a job on the boat, isn't all that big of a deal. Mm. Do you have a job on the right boat? And 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 that is the most important thing that you can ask. Is this the right boat with the right culture? Does it pay well? Does it have you know hours that I can conduct myself in a professional manner? And will I have time to train my crew? Not just in how to go pick up the e-perb and get in a life raft, but how to do everything right so I can run this boat professional grade. Right. Or is it a budget operation with no free time and no, and, and, and you know. Yeah, I think, I mean, it, <clears throat> being a younger guy, I think I started off, you know, washing boats for safety. But <clears throat> one thing those guys really taught me was you're here to wash the boat. And I want the boat to look like it came off of the line. You know, yeah. the factory. Like that boat has to be a hundred percent because if that boat's not a hundred percent, now the captain that gets on it, he's worried about, you know, the cleanliness of the boat or you know, where's where the lines. Well, if you wash this. it wrong, you're just it's a cascading wax, event. If you wax the deck, what else did you do wrong? Exactly. Well, if you wax the deck and then I get on that bob walk out on that deck and it's a little bit wet, now I'm going to slip and fall down. Right. So so every person that touches the boat has a direct impact on your net level of safety. And every one of those people mm. needs to be trained. And one thing, I mean, I have kind of gone through and I'm like, well, if I want to do this job, I'm going to take the time to do it to my best ability, 100% of what I can offer. And that's kind of like when I tie, I always tell people, like when if, you, if you're going to tie a cleat, tie it 100% right. Like don't leave anything unturned, do that extra hitch, Flemish the line, like make it look good. Because if it looks good, chances are it's going to perform good. Right. So, and I think, I mean, that kind of goes about our daily life. Like if you wake up and you don't take a shower, don't brush your teeth, like you're just going through the day, chances are the rest of the day probably isn't going to be that great. Was a, there was a, some general or admiral who did this great motivational speech. I don't know whether he did it at one of the service academies, but he said one of the best things it's you can do for Navy yourself captain, is make... Yep. Your bed. Mm-hmm. As simple as that. If you come home at the end of the day and your bed is made guaranteed, you're going to have a smile on your face. Right. You get home at the end of the day and that bed looks like crap, it's not satisfying. It's not good. It's not. And that's where I think where a lot of captains, why we're captains is like we, we need to be in control. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. We hate not being in control. Right. And as a result, we, we take a look at everything. I and mean, some of the best captains I've worked with, you know, they start thinking about docking. Uh, the boat at the destination before they even leave the leave the dock that they're, go, they're going off of. I right. mean, they start thinking about these things. And neatness counts. I mean, you do a, a Coast Guard COI, a Certificate of Inspection inspection, and the Coast Guard looks at the cleanliness of the vessel. Sure, they if they take Absolutely. you, if you take them down to the engine room and and there's dirty cloths down there, the, the bilges it's a are huge dirty. Huge fire hazard. It, you're, they're going to take and say, "What else do these idiots right. not do?" They're going to dig deeper and deeper. They see but that if you give them a clean engine room and clean spaces, and and they're going to not take it easy on you, right. but they're not going to go out of their way. But they're also going to know if it's kept home. clean, yes. or if you cleaned it yesterday. Oh yeah, right. They're going to know. They expect everybody to touch it up before they get there. Yeah. But they're you, you know a, a good eye. Can see good seamanship from mm-hmm. you know a million different a million different miles away, and I think that's a really critical that's a really really 
critical component. Yeah? And, and, and it doesn't just, if this doesn't just apply to the actual safety drills, those safety drills are, are critical, but it doesn't just apply to the actual safety drills. It complies to the overall conduct of the vessel. Some of the mm. simplest mistakes um, could be prevented through good habits. Um, how about not turning channel 16 down to conduct a conversation in the wheelhouse? Guilty. Right. Sure, we've all done it. Mm -hmm. We've all done it. You know, I just so have, I, I grew up working for a guy that would particularly reprimand you if you didn't answer the radio when he called. So, you know, I got a pretty good habit of making sure the radio was turned up and still every now and then, like, you're going to forget. Channel, so channel. look at the duck boat incident. Look at the, look at the tug barge duck boat incident years ago down in Philly where they ran, where the, the mate on that boat was distracted by a very serious, very critical thing that, that warranted his attention. Unfortunately, the timing was really bad. He didn't have Channel 16 turned on. And, and at the end of the day, it was a tragic story. And the judge said, everybody knew you were about to run over that duck boat except for you. This whole harbor knew that you were about to do it. And you don't want to be, nobody wants to be at the receiving end of that. So it doesn't, you know, it's not just a matter of drills versus bills when it comes to breaking out the fire hoses and putting out a pretend mm -hmm. fire or pretending to, you know, running a drill. Those drills are critical. They are important. But it really has to do with everything. And if you ask me, good boat driving starts the night before. You have to drive the boat tomorrow. It starts with a good night's sleep. It doesn't start by going out drinking and landing, you know, face down on a pile of cocaine on a bar table. That is not the right way to start your night before. It happens. It's, 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 you can giggle about it, but it happens. And there's no use not acknowledging the fact that that happens. And so it starts the night before when you go to bed early and you get a good night's sleep and you get up in the morning and you conduct yourself appropriately. I like to get up in the morning and do professional development and then I do family development and then I start my work day. And if you get in those sorts of habits, um, I think they go a long way towards promoting that sort of safe and productive and professional culture in uh, in terms of operating in terms of operating your boat in a safe fashion. So, Zach, what about you? Uh, you're a young guy. You're in college. You know, you're at an age where uh, fun is is uh, you know. I mean, I suppose fun is always a part of it. But uh, uh, you know, having been in, you sort of really walked the same path that you walk as a, a professional boat captain, but also a young college student um, with aspirations. Um, how do you start your day? How do you, how, how, how do you, how do you kick it off the night before? Sure. So <clears throat> I'm a little, I'm not exactly without too much detail. I mean, we don't want you to, <laughs> um, I wouldn't say I'm the, I don't have the average, uh, college student life at the moment. Uh, I work a lot with confident captain, I also do, uh, you know, stuff on my own, and <clears throat> usually my night before, you know, I come back from the gym, I do competitive weightlifting, so that's kind of a priority as well, so it, it, it winds up being, let's kind of set my day, reflect, go to sleep early, you know, get a full eight hours, and wake up the next morning, and then start again. Usually I start, you know, 5.30, 6 o'clock get up, maybe do a little reading, go for a walk, and then <clears throat> get right into my day. So, but you know, my main focus right now is pursuing what we have here at Confident Captain and really developing that. So that's a lot of where my focus, you know, winds up being. So by pursuing <clears throat> Zach, what the listener needs to understand is that Zach is 
really tasked with rolling out and growing a program that teaches recreational boaters how to drive small boats in, in a clinic fashion. Like he's really in charge of that program, which is a huge responsibility. So when he talks about his work at Confident Captain, he's not talking about, although he may do some tutoring of like the six pack or master's licensed candidate, he's actually talking about rolling out the program that, that he's tasked with. So anyway, sorry. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they know a lot of, you know, what we're doing right now is developing because we went through a summer where, you know, you're going to take your we take what we had this summer and we're going to reflect on what really happened because you can plan and plan and plan but until you actually implement sure. what we're actually saying we're going to do you don't really know where the bugs are going to be you yeah. know so that that's what this summer was and now we're really going back reflecting we're coming you know, out of the pilot going into so is that what you think about your walks in the morning i'm impressed to yeah. hear that so that's yeah. an impressive that's an impressive guy I don't actually think about it when I go for my morning walk and I own the company. So maybe that maybe I should take a lesson from uh, from Zach here. So so um, drills versus bills in terms of, um, you know, your perspective now. Let's say you didn't work for me. Let's say mm. you work for someone who, you know, much less frivolous. Uh, <laughs> um, how are not frivolous was not the word I was thinking for. A scrupulous. Someone mm. much less scrupulous. Mm. Uh, someone less scrupulous who wants you to... Uh, to drive their boat, but they're cutting corners on safety. Um, <clears throat> you're going to get uncomfortable. It's not going to mm. take you long to figure it out. What are you going to do? Mm -hmm. Well, so, you know, having been out on the water my entire life, I really realized how much, you know, the weather, the the current, the wind, every, you know, how, how much the environment, like Tony said earlier, is really out to kill you, you mm -hmm. know, and it's just a matter of when. So <clears throat> how do overcome the obstacles of let's say you know my boss were to cut corners on life jackets and now we're buying you know far less of a grade life jacket than we should um for me i i learned from a, a good mentor and friend who was a previous boss of mine over at uh, a local shipyard here in wickford that if you feel uncomfortable in a, in a situation and you are the captain so whatever you say goes at that moment. Yeah. So you really have to over, you really have to see into the future as to what could possibly happen, and then make your decision based off that. So that's really what I've done both at Confident Captain and just you know driving down the road. I'm I, just yesterday I was at a stoplight and I saw I was looking at the guy across the road, looking down both ways. Light turns green, car blows through, red light. I look at the guy across, I look again, both ways, another car, two in a row, blew right through a red what light. What intersection is this? <laughs> it's over by, uh, right by my parents' house, over oh, in yeah. Port Creamery. Oh, sure. Um, but, you know, if that, I thought to myself after I drove yeah. by, I'm like, if I had not looked both ways, I probably would have gotten T-boned. Maybe twice, yeah. if not once. So, um, What yeah. about, um, well, let me, if you don't mind, give me sort of my... Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Like you have to, you have to lay down the line. I think there's a couple things. You know, you leverage what what you can. Um, you nobody wants to lose their job, but what I want to lose less than my job is my life. Mm. Did I just say that right? I do not want to lose my job. I definitely do not want to lose my life. Mm. Right. So, mm -hmm. so and the other thing, that boat. If you're the captain, it's not making money without you. Right. So run the drills. Mm -hmm. Right. So guys will spend. You know, let's say um, you're going to take out a loan, whether it's a mortgage or a car loan, or you're going to credit card. 
People spend the whole afternoon online mm-hmm. researching it, right? Uh, trying to find the best interest rate. Mm-hmm. But you won't spend 15 minutes teaching your crew how to put on a life jacket or put out a fire when, right. you know, it's going to be your ass they're saving. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's a matter of priorities. Now, you could tell me that it's a priority, but talk is cheap when it comes to drills. Right. Actions speak loud in the words. So you have to show us. You can get creative. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have to do the drill while you're in a way. Maybe you have to, you know, be doing something else while you conduct the drill. But you can get creative and fit those drills in. The burden is on you. I'm not saying it's fair mm. that the burden's on you, but it's on you. Right. So you got to figure it out. That's part of your job as being a captain. If you've walked in the doors as a confident captain and you have left without understanding that drills come from you, mm-hmm. they don't come from some owner, I haven't done my job. Right. Right. So if you didn't learn that, you, you just did now because I just said it. Right. So uh, it, it might have to take some creativity on your part. It might have to take um, some discussion between you and the owner. It might be frustrating. It might be a tense situation. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to be smooth and easy, but I'm saying you are part of the solution. So you can get on your boat in the morning mm. and you can be part of the solution. Or you can get on your boat in the morning and you can enable. Right. And so what you need to ask yourself as a captain is, am I an enabler to this unsafe budget operation or am I part of the solution? And please, while you're making that decision, remember that there are other people whose safety and lives depend on you. Mm-hmm. So, so be part of the solution. And, and as, as you progress through your career, that would be the approach. And look, yeah, I mean, I suppose that could lead to, I don't want to work here anymore. I'm going to go mm-hmm. find a different captain's job. That's going to put me in a difficult financial situation. But if I had to guess, if, if you're working for a company that's cutting corners on safety, they're also cutting corners on payroll. So you're not getting paid all that well right. to begin with. So go find a new job. And chances are the, the culture of that company probably isn't where you want to be. You know, Because if they're not worried about their employees, like you said, Chances are they're not worried about any right. other, other things as well. So be part of the change. I mean, culture doesn't necessarily come from the top down, mm. right? You're, as a captain, like people say, oh, you must be on top. You're in charge. Really not. Really what you are as the captain is the middleman. Right. You know, there's somebody above you that's writing paychecks. There's mm-hmm. somebody below you that's helping you operate that boat safely. You know, you can't control what takes place in the office. Right. But you have absolutely have control over what takes place on that boat. So you find a way, mm-hmm. right? If you were going to play, like, you know, an example, another example we use in the classroom is like, how do you get to the Super Bowl? What are some of the components that you need to get to the Super Bowl? You need a great team. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Great players. Well, then what do they do? They sit around and eat fried chicken like the Boston Red Sox back in, what was that, 2000? Early, yeah, yeah. 2010 maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah, guys are eating fried chicken in the yeah. dugout. No, they don't sit around and eat fried chicken on their way to the Super Bowl, do they? What do they do? Right. They practice. Right. And they have a playbook. Mm-hmm. And that is exactly what you do. You want, if you have an emergency, sorry, when you have an emergency, mm. you want a Super Bowl team responding to that emergency. Right. And how do you get a Super Bowl team? You get the right people. You practice, practice, practice. Mm-hmm. And what do you practice? A well-thought-out, well-written playbook. In our case, that's a muster list or mm. some sort of drills. And you look at what works. 
You look at what doesn't work, you refine it, you make it better and better. You make the improvement of that playlist a part of your day-to-day -day operational culture and you make a practice of it part of your day-to-day -day work and you're gonna have a safer boat. And if you listen to this information and you take it to heart and more people listen to this information and take it to heart, more people will live through adverse times on the water. Mm. And I think it really starts with that first step. And it's small steps, right? If you, when you're thinking about what I have to do next, you're thinking of, is this step gonna really take me to that next level? Like am I, is me eating this taco right now gonna help me you know, put 10 pounds on my bench press, <laughs> right? Because Kent and I are both- well, Trial and error. Right, trial and <laughs> trial error. Trial and error is a critical part of, weight, of, of weightlifting. Right, so uh, or, what the listener doesn't know is that that Zach and I both spend a considerable amount of time um, powerlifting. So, yeah, Zach is the stronger of the two. But we, we put a lot of that. <laughs> um, when he's forty-four, like I am, he might. <laughs> but yeah, so it's a, it's a small steps that you're taking, and it's it's very um, it's a determined step. You're not just taking it and thinking, oh, let's see what happens. No, you're really thinking out, saying, what is this next step going to do for me? And I think that's a lot of what needs to go on both in the recreational side of boating as well as in the commercial side of boating. Like when you get on a boat that you haven't been on, are you going through the safety checks? Are you are you talking to each individual saying, this is where the life jackets are. This is where our fire extinguisher is. This is how you use the fire extinguisher. Whenever I'm going on and I'm teaching someone, um, you know, whether it is docking or intro boating, I'm going, first thing we do is a safety brief. I wanna know where the fire extinguisher is, what the life jackets are, how to put on a life jacket, uh, and that's that's the basis and then from there we build and what you're doing there is developing the culture and the culture is what's going to cultivate right a safe and functioning uh, a safe and functioning crew mm -hmm. so. absolutely yep all right having covered what we hope is uh, you know a positive comprehensive approach towards uh, approaching the operation of your vessel with um, drills and training as a priority uh, the repetitiveness, the, the, the muscle memory, um, everything sort of line up properly towards running an effective boat, even in the face of, of, of you know, ever-increasing commercial pressure. Um, Tony. Fiscal challenges. Fiscal challenges. Your, some final thoughts, some closing thoughts on, on drills versus, versus bills. Well, something that, I, that we, we discussed at the very beginning is that you can't let your boss or finances or anything interfere with safety. I think safety, we were saying drills versus bills. I think drills wins. Oh, for sure. Drills for sure. wins. And I think that's something we all need to remember even in, in August when we're all tired, when it's been a long season and you start slacking off a little bit on little things, don't because it's going to bite you right. in the ass. What I tell people, whether it's deckhands or whether it's people in training, what you have to think about is what you're going to say to that hearing officer yeah. if something goes wrong. When what would I say in there, the courtroom? What, what am I going to say in the courtroom? What am I going to say to the victims' families of the people I let down? Think about that, and that will give you a little bit of impetus, if you will, to, to do a better job or, or keep doing the great job that you're doing, keeping the boat safe. Sage advice. Zach? Yeah. I, I, I think I, like and I said it before earlier, is, you know, it... it the proof is in the pudding. You got to put in the work and you got to, you know, you got to stick to the details because if you don't, then that's going to show and then it could potentially turn in and cascade into some sort of issue down the road, you know? It's going to show and it's going to, it's going to grow that mm -hmm. those things have a way of, of catching up on you. 
I, I believe in um, headlining. Uh, I like to conduct myself and say, what's your headline? Uh, and is my headline, boat captain successfully brought 10,000 people back and forth to the island this summer? Or is it boat captain killed 17 because of bad decision making? So what's your headline? You know, for years, you know, particularly in, in you know, in, in this podcast in particular, I regularly refer back to my my days in, in running quick response marine assistance boats because it's a very dynamic environment and you have to make a lot of decisions and you're by yourself and you have to do everything quickly and you can't really screw it up. And you would think after 20 years of that, I would be tremendously confident every time I got on that boat. And in some ways, some components of it, sure, I was really confident. But what do you think I said to myself every time I started that engine? Engines. I know what you said. You want yeah. me to say it? Yeah. Please, God, don't let me screw up. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Don't let me screw this up. That's exactly I what I I think that's what I, I, I've taken that from me, and I say the same thing. And young captain, you should do the same thing. Yeah. And everybody else out there, please, dear God, don't let me screw up today. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. Guys, thanks for joining us on this second episode of Great Captains. We hope you found this information to be very valuable. Uh, Visit us anytime uh, on our Facebook page, Great Captains by Confident Captain, or the Confident Captain Ocean Pros Facebook page. Uh, And you can always reach us by just visiting www.confidentcaptain.com.